0: Everything came crashing to a halt in about an eight-day uh, period. So the first three days, we, we lost all of our ongoing monthly retainer work. Uh, looking back, I'm so thankful that the way that it lined up is we didn't owe anyone any work and they didn't owe us any money. So where we were and all our different projects was kind of at this even point, so it's very easy to let go.
1: Welcome to Creators Edge, a podcast for creators, where I interview your favorite creators, share their stories, discover their superpowers, and the important lessons that help them rise to the top. I want to take you on a journey to meet some of the brightest minds and the creators who impact the lives and the work that we do. This is a podcast for creators. Welcome to your Creator's Edge. This is episode four with Dan Bennett. Dan Bennett is the ultimate underdog. Dan is the founder of One Minute Media, The Antipreneur, and is the host of The Antipreneur Show, a podcast where he explores the journey in business, life, and creative freedom. He is a former engineer, designer, video storyteller and a prime example of what hard work and perseverance in just one year can produce. Dan changed the course of his life forever in just one year, from losing everything to finding himself and achieving the ultimate level of success. Dan is no stranger to loss, challenge, and overcoming adversity. Dan exemplifies everything that an entrepreneur should be, He lives life on his terms and most recently signed the biggest contract of his life. I'm honored to invite Dan on the show and to share his remarkable story of loss, gain, and achieving the ultimate level of greatness. Dan, thank you so much for being with me. And it's such an honor to invite you on the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I can't wait to meet this Dan guy. (laughs) He sounds pretty cool. (laughs) Heck of an intro, brother. I appreciate it. We're going to kick things off with
1: talking about your beginnings. And I'm curious, what was it like to start over and lose everything? What did your life look like in August of 2020? And what were some steps that you took at that point
0: in your life? Uh, I I lovingly refer to it as the great Band-Aid rip of 2020. Uh, It happened very quickly. And um, the rest of the world kind of out of nowhere. So we were humming along. I was kind of accidentally in a agency model. It wasn't by design, but that's kind of where we were. A lot of retainer clients doing a lot of work. And uh, everything came crashing to a halt in about an eight-day period. So the first three days we we lost all of our ongoing monthly retainer work. Uh, looking back, I'm so thankful that the way that it lined up is we didn't owe anyone any work and they didn't owe us any money. So where we were and all our different projects was kind of at this even point. So it's very easy to let go of those things uh, without too much uh, trouble. And then we had a couple of days of a calm in the storm. And so our small team got together and we're like, hey, we got a lot of free time on our hands now. You know, what are we gonna do? And we were already at the ending stages of a business conference we had planned called the Antipreneur Exchange. Uh, People flying in from all over the country to speak at this thing. We had only sold a couple tickets because we just launched. So we shut that down as quick as possible, um, decided to do what we ended up calling the One Minute Media Initiative, uh, which was doing free videos for those businesses that had been deemed essential. Um, And that's a cool story that I could dive into maybe later. And then after those two days of calm, the next three days, which made up the total of eight, um, was all of our outstanding proposal work being shut down. Uh, so we had about a dollars $170,000 swing in one week. And for a micro company like ours, that was pretty much it. Um, so we started, you know, looking at shutdown. Uh, we did get a PPP loan, a small one that kept our small team on for an extra 10 weeks. And we did our damnedest to conjure up some work in that 10 weeks. And it just didn't pan out. So we ended up closing the doors after that. And I say storm and calm in the storm because I'm a analogy and metaphor guy. That's how I learn. And it's the only way I know how to teach. So it's kind of how I operate. And I feel like once I... Uh, closed the doors to the office and actually grabbed my gear and walked out that I was in a ship that got wrecked by a storm and I was hanging on to a plank of wood. (laughs) I wasn't dead, but I was kind of lost at sea uh, without a vessel to get anywhere. So that's, that's kind of my take on that time, which was, yeah, August of last year. How was that mentally for you? Like, how did you keep
1: your mental strength? How did you stay motivated during that time?
0: Yeah. um, I mean, I'm known for keeping it real and I'll do that here as well. Uh, It sucked. (laughs) It sucked. And I'm I'm someone who's not shy to, you know, talk about mental health, my own battles with depression over the years, the ebb and flow of entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship, I should say, you know, it definitely sucked. And I actually have this this little uh, kind of uh, period in there that I look back on and I'm thankful for. But at the time, like I said, it sucked. And it was uh, 12 different times I remember the number because I was counting 12 different times someone in my life whether an entrepreneur friend, or family uh, colleague mentor mentee um, all kinds of people um, said and it's it sucks what's going on Dan but it's so cool that we know you're so resilient you're going to make it through this and the last time it was said to me the 12th time it was said to me it was by a good friend who I respect a lot and I knew I could be open and honest with him and I was like you know what man kind of pisses me off. That you just said that (laughs) and I'm gonna tell you why it's not because you said it and it's not because it's not true it's because I've heard it so much and you know I'm in the middle of this this chaos mentally so hearing it I started feeling like okay when does resiliency turn into stupidity when should you maybe stay down and duck a couple of those kicks and punches instead of getting back up right away And that was something I dealt with, you know, should I bounce back? Should I start over? Should I get back up right now or just stay down? Like, should I go get a job? And then I felt ill and that idea went away really quick. But um, I went through all those things and then literally um, took time to myself and disappeared into the forest to further digest that kind of thought process. So it was rough. Those feelings of wanting to give up were short lived each time I had them because I've I've just got entrepreneurship in my blood, but they were there and it was dark. And, uh, you know, I definitely don't hide the fact that even though I can look back at it and there's so many things I'm thankful for in the moment, uh, I wasn't thankful for much.
1: It's the resilience and the desire to really bounce back that really pushes you to fight through and to make things happen in your life and to overcome challenges that maybe you never thought you could. And I think that is a testament to your ethic and your desire to really make it through and you are destined to be successful. I like that. I like that. Hey
0: everybody, it's Carol Leckerly with the Image Impact Group and I
1: am excited to bring you a special segment of 7 Second Strategies. And on today's segment,
0: we are welcoming Dan Bennett. Who is Dan Bennett? When did you first realize that you wanted to be running your own company? How did you get that first customer? Welcome to the Jod Pod. Today we are joined by Dan Bennett, AKA the Antipreneur. So on the podcast today, we have the Antipreneur, Dan Bennett. He's from Flint, Michigan and the CEO of One Minute Media. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your comments together and say hello to Dan Bennett. Hey, what's going on everyone? I am Dan Bennett, The Antipreneur and I just wanted to quickly say welcome. What is going on everyone? I'm Dan Bennett, The Antipreneur. This is The Antipreneur Show. Let's go.
1: You mentioned you went off the grid, and I want to learn a little more about that. Tell us about your time going off the grid. What did you do? How did that time make you the person
0: that you are today? Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I love this story, and I tell it so often that last year, August, August feels like now, you know, because I've, I've kept it alive and I've talked about it so much, which has been part of my journey sharing what happened and where I'm headed. I had my office space for about two and a half, three weeks after everything was shut down, business was closed, personal bankruptcy filed, all those things. I still had the space and I would go into that space and it was during lockdown or shutdown. So like, uh, the building was very empty and it's a dedicated office space building. So a lot of business owners just weren't going in. It was kind of a ghost town. I just spent those last few weeks thinking and not really planning just kind of being and they had really fast internet there so I took advantage of that too (laughs) and uh, shut down the office came home and I was talking to my partner Jax um, and she's a chef so her whole world went away just as fast as mine did so we're both just kind of looking at life like hmm okay well what's next for us here and uh, I was like and this is a bad time because we're, we're selling our, you know, personal belongings out of our storage just to pay rent and groceries and stuff. But I really need to get away. I need to, to disappear and take some time. And I really wasn't even being serious in the sense of thinking it can happen. I was just saying it out loud because I knew I needed a break and I'd been pushing on that business for about five and a half years straight. So it was a good time for a rest mentally. And uh, yeah, a couple of days later, Jax is like, hey, I I did something. And she had went and grabbed a credit card that we probably should not have been spending money on, but I'll love her forever for it. And she went uh, to a company called Outdoorsy, which is kind of like Airbnb, but for RV trailers and pop-up trailers and stuff like that, and uh, rented me a little pop-up trailer. And it's funny, I I have pictures and video of it. I should share it sometime out because it was just this cool retro little pop-up camper, you know, that would fit behind the little SUV. And uh, I was like, whoa, well, I, I guess I'm doing this, you know? So it's time to find out where I'm going to go. So, again, like I said, selling everything to pay bills, not a lot of money there. Um, I wasn't going to go to some, you know, campground or something. I'm like, wow, well, Michigan's got a lot of state land. Maybe I could just go to one of those free little places and then electricity and all that can just go by the wayside. And I was talking to an old partner of mine who's still a really great friend. And part of my story into entrepreneurship was, uh, running the art department for his apparel printing company. And then later on partnering with him in different ways. And I was just having a friendly conversation with him. He's the, literally the greatest man I've ever known. John Hankard is his name. And I was having a conversation with him and he's like, Oh, Hey, why don't you take it up to that campground I accidentally bought? And that's my favorite part of the whole story is that I had forgotten that he literally accidentally bought a campground. He was looking to buy land up North Michigan, uh, for a long time and things either didn't line up well or they fell through or it wasn't what he needed. And his son-in-law jokingly you know, from a, a Facebook marketplace post was like, oh, you should buy this. And it was pitched as an old campground that hadn't been open in like 15 years, but what he wanted was the land and the big building that was on it. So he bought it a couple days later and uh, a year later, you know, this is happening to me and we're having this conversation. He's like, Oh yeah, there's a couple, you know, uh, lots that still have power and the outdoor bathroom works. So yeah, just take your trailer up there, man. It's all yours. And that was, you know, about as serendipitous as it gets. Right. So I headed up to this um, old closed down campground. I had the whole thing to myself. It's got its own Lake and it's right next to state land Um, and literally day one I took a walk I go to the banks of this quaint little lake and I saw like a bald eagle fly over and soar around and I was like this is <laughs> this is so cool especially for a quote-unquote free so when I was getting ready to go I took a whiteboard I'm a huge whiteboard head so I took my biggest whiteboard and I took an old iPad full of documentaries um, no rhyme or reason to them. I just threw like 12 on there And I took a book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Again, no rhyme or reason. It was just a a recommendation from a good friend. And I figured, well, if I'm trying to find myself and start over, learning about habits is probably a good thing. And no agenda. I just took those things and went. And what I came out with was a lot of personal epiphanies and clarity. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do next, but I knew where I had come from and what I wanted to accomplish in the future. And that was enough to feel good about the time i had spent there and um yeah lots of little micro stories came from that but that's kind of the the high level it almost feels like that was a point in your life where you
1: found yourself again and found your calling and your motivation to
0: get to that next step yeah i looking back over running my company for almost six years what i had realized um and it's funny cause I'm not a woulda, coulda, shoulda person. I close chapters, I move on in my life. That's kind of my style. But I looked back over the previous five and a half years and I had this simple thought and it was, I did everything the clients wanted and I had a lot of great clients, a lot of great work. So I'm definitely not complaining, but I did everything they wanted to make their businesses better. And only about 20% of that was the work I actually wanted to be doing. The rest was because I had the skill set to do the work. And that accidental agency model kind of came into play there. So I look back at that and I said, you know, I spent the last five and a half years doing what they wanted, growing the business, growing revenue, hiring people, and then it's all ripped away and it, it leaves me at zero. How would I be right now if I did it my way for five and a half years? It never worked. I was still at the same zero. And when I realized I could have been at this spot, no matter how I did the last five and a half years, It was just a gigantic breakthrough for me to say, okay, moving forward, (laughs) I I will be doing things my way. Um, I will be picky about who I work with. I will be very uh, boisterous and loud about what I'm trying to accomplish and what kind of people I want in my life. And uh, I gave myself all of September off, which was, again, a very tough decision when there's no money, no income. But I knew I couldn't just dive right back into work. So I took September to just have all the crazy ideas, to whiteboard out everything one of my crazy ideas I wrote in my journal while I was out there was sell everything I own and help John open this campground. You know, I just wrote every crazy thing that came into my head and then I spent September kind of sifting through it and thinking and really focusing on what's important and how do I want the next five and a half years of my life to look and those sorts of things. And, uh, like I said, I, I came out with some, some clarity and some purpose, and it's kind of guided every decision I've made since, which, has led to some really incredible things. Uh, so all those micro epiphanies that came out, um, they, they drive me for sure. And what was the biggest micro epiphany that you gained from that experience? Yeah, I love the uh, the oxymoron vibe of biggest micro. The biggest kind of personal micro epiphany I had was this funny thing, hopefully some people can relate. Uh, so I have an engineering background, I'm very left right brain about 50, 50%. And they've never like played well together, but I can switch between them pretty quickly. Right. So like I was in this camper, I'm just with my thoughts, I'm jotting things down. And I have this thought that's like, put yourself out there more. And the other side of my brain sees that thought. And it's like, wait a minute, we've been in a band that tours, sung on stages all over the country. I've spoken on stages at business conferences all over the country. I put out hundreds of videos on social media and YouTube and stuff like that what do you mean put yourself out there more? I've been putting myself out there like crazy for almost six years. And then me as the observer of these two hemispheres was like, well, we're just going to write this down in the book and come back to it because we don't have an answer right now. And in that September time when I was going back through my notes in my little book, I came across that thought. And again, as this like observer, I'm like, all right, guys, what were you talking about? What were we thinking? What did this mean? You know, very quickly it just popped in my head that – putting myself out there more actually kind of meant taking advantage of things I normally wouldn't, things I might have looked over in the past. The greatest part about this impactful micro-epiphany is it leads to me knowing you. That's the fun of this kind of stuff. So one of the first things I did was a couple days after I had that epiphany, I was on YouTube and I saw a video by some guy named Noah Kagan, never heard of the dude before. And my moniker of the entrepreneur keeps me away from a lot of, like, gurus and stuff like that anyway. And so I was like, ah, who's this guy? What's he talking about? And I watch a video, and I'm like, oh, I kind of relate to this. He's, he's kind of rough around the edges and talks about business like the often sad and tough and hard thing that it is sometimes. I was like, that's kind of cool. So I watched a second video. And that one he talked about, like, his 16 failed businesses and used the Wayback Machine website to show the old crappy websites. And he talked about how they failed and... Did it with almost pride that led to his success now. And I'm like, oh, successful entrepreneurs never talk about the past or how they got there or the, you know, uh, lucky breaks they got or any of that stuff. They only talk about the sexy stuff. So like I dig this guy and this giant thing for me that's probably so small for other people that I did to take advantage of things I normally wouldn't was to subscribe to Noah Kagan's YouTube channel because I don't subscribe to channels. YouTube does so well giving me what I want. I just search for stuff. And I find it and then I often come back to certain creators over and over even though I don't subscribe to him because I'm finding what I want. So I subscribed and for me that was kind of a big deal. And then a couple of days later he sent out that he's having to open office hours on YouTube live on the following Friday I'm like that's cool I'll check it out. So I got in there and there's quite a few entrepreneurs in there so I'm like cool I need to network I'm starting over here so this is this is good. So a uh, couple of minutes into that episode, Noah's like, hey, whoever is the most active in the uh, chat today gets thrown in this Slack group that we've put together. I'm like, oh, okay, private entrepreneur, you know, community. Yeah, I want that. So the second thing I did to take advantage of things I normally wouldn't was to actually type into the chat because I never participate in live chats. I just watch the live and watch the chat. So I posted a couple of things and maybe the third or fourth thing I had posted, he actually brought up on screen and highlighted it. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of fun. You know, he, he liked what I said and, and showed it to everyone else and talked about it for a second. So you know, started getting even more out of my comfort zone because usually if I do speak up, I'm trying to be either funny or poignant or not waste anyone's time with what I'm saying. So finding myself chatting and I'm like, I wanna talk more so I can get thrown in that Slack group, but I don't wanna say a bunch of nonsense. So I started looking at other people in the chat, their questions and kind of talking at them with some of my answers and, The show shifted to him talking about YouTube and YouTube growth, which is another personal epiphany I came out of the woods with. I've been on YouTube for 11 years, had millions of views, but I never did it on purpose and I never monetized it. And coming out of the woods, I'm like, it's my time. I'm going to do YouTube on purpose. I'm gonna grow a channel and community. I don't know why I've never done it. It's time to do it. So I was already in that YouTube mindset and he started talking about YouTube and I'm like, dude, this is cool. So I threw in the chat, I dare you noah to go and watch one of my videos and critique it i would love the feedback because i'm trying to grow my channel too so he brings that up on screen and he's like i'll do you one better we're going to roast your ass i'm like all right what's that mean you know so they dm me and they're like yeah in the next office hours we're going to roast your channel i'm like this is fantastic i'm going to get eyeballs on what i'm trying to do like i'm all in so for the next couple weeks i got emails from those guys like you might not want to show up we're going to tear you apart we're not going to go easy on you and And the whole time I'm kind of smiling, thinking, like, oh, you guys can't hurt me. Like, I've been in a band that's traveled 1,800 miles to play to two people before. Like, you you can't. I'm too old and crusty. Like, you can't break me. So we had this fun banter back and forth. And then I was on the show, which is a great story for maybe another time. It went really, really well. And I got thrown in this group. And I, I'm one of the OGs in the group. I think it was number 20 or 21 or something like that. And there's a few hundred in there now. And uh, that's how I met you was in that Slack group. So it's cool how a decision micro epiphany to just take advantage of things that normally wouldn't led to me telling you this story right now.
1: And, you know, I have been a fan of AppSumo since 2012. That's when I purchased my first AppSumo deal. And I've known about No Kagan. And I ended up finding his YouTube channel uh, not too long ago, he had some really interesting videos that he shared and some really great information that he talked about that really resonated for me. And then I learned about his office hours and I just happened to just join one day and he was like, well, I have this underdog community, y'all should join. And for me, it seemed like exactly what I needed in my life at that point. And I just joined and, you know, at that time I was trying to start a new podcast and a lot of changes happened in my life that forced me to really re-examine where I was going in my life. And, you know, I'm no stranger to dealing with a lot of loss and depression and all that good stuff. And it really motivated
0: me as well. That's powerful, man. I appreciate you sharing that. And it's so fun too, um, thinking about, you know, one of my kind of anti-preneur slogans is there is no blueprint every time someone says there's a blueprint and if you follow these 10 steps you can have a Lamborghini 2 or whatever I'm always like well you know but I am always open about the fact that once you do arrive somewhere you can look back at how you got there and there is a blueprint at that point right and it's so funny that we're both sitting here right now and we can look back at our last you know however many years of blueprint and see this crazy trajectory that got us to this singular point that's fun absolutely So, Dan, going back
1: to your beginning, how did your professional career begin as an engineer and designer and what motivated you to leave those
0: things behind in your life? Yeah, um, definitely come from a a rough background, a poor background, single mom. Uh, Hi, mom. Love you. (laughs) And that put us in some precarious positions from time to time, especially as finances were concerned. And I had a a drafting teacher in high school that was like, you're really good at this. You should look into going to school for it. And I was always pretty good at sports. I was a starter in multiple sports, but I knew I was not going to uh, get to college, you know, with sports. So, and I knew that about my sophomore year. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe this is the direction to go in. And I got really good at AutoCAD. And by the time it came to uh, go to school I was actually already in a drafting position for about a year which was good because they paid for a large portion of my schooling so I started going to school and uh, long story short I had you know I worked for four different companies in a very short amount of time about three years one of them I worked for twice I was laid off and brought back and laid off again and uh, mechanical engineering in the midwest is a very volatile place to be unless you're directly associated with automotive it can be volatile there too, but not as bad, but I was never in automotive. I was in pneumatics. I was in steel. I was in glass and I was in concrete. So I was never near the auto industry. And my last job, um, I was miserable. I, I became a vampire. I'd get up at five thirty in the morning, and drive into work and it was dark and no window in my office and get out at six at night. And I'm like, man, did the sun even come out today? You know? And I also was in school still at the time and found out at that point in time that I made the same or a little bit more than my professor at school who had the degree I was going after. And that was the final straw of like, Oh, what am I doing? You know? And, um, the majority of reason why I left that industry was because in high school I was good at drafting because we were always making something new. Every project was from scratch and I was learning and creating and my creations were being printed and sometimes built and in the actual industry all we were ever doing was recycling old designs and drawings for new clients and making tweaks and stuff like that because they were buying an existing product and it was miserable i I didn't get to create anything from scratch and i felt like i kind of got duped so i left that industry and i took a year off A lot later than most people do when they take a year off (laughs) and I was already in my early 20s and I'm like, yeah, this is not for me. And uh, like I said, I was in the band at the time we were touring. I was doing all of our web work and at the time MySpace and um, our merch design and all that kind of stuff I was handling so we could break even. We wouldn't have to pay people to do that stuff and uh we were printing a lot of t-shirts and that's that's a big part of what kept us floating and the printer was like you guys sell a lot of t-shirts man like yeah it's it's part of the business you know and he's like do you know any other uh other yeah, bands and need t-shirts if you bring in orders I'll give you 15% and I was like cool man so I started doing that and then other bands had horrible designs and they liked our designs so they wanted me to design their t-shirts and I started charging for that and it just kind of grew from there um, I didn't know the word entrepreneur at the time but that's exactly what I was doing I was kind of like a micro startup with my band and then one day I came in with my own artwork, had everything prepped and ready to go. And same guy I was talking about earlier, John Hankard. He's like, Hey man, you want a job? (laughs) You want to run my art department? And so I stepped into uh, freelancing on the side and then running an art department for my job job. And both were like ways to solve other people's problems through storytelling and design and get paid for it. And that was the, the beginning of me realizing that I might be able to actually enjoy work instead of hating it so much and Dan
1: what were some important lessons that you learned along the way of starting restarting losing everything and rising back to success were there any books or strategies that really stick out to you
0: being flexible right so as entrepreneurs especially digital entrepreneurs there's a lot of people who are willing to tell you exactly how they did something and that's important but it's not always your journey I try not to give too much advice and I try and instead say hey maybe think about it from this new angle to just get the wheels turning so I think having flexibility in trying something giving it enough time to see if it works you know testing a market before you start is really powerful but Sometimes, like me, I was in the market of like helping people elevate their video conference calls and Zoom calls and stuff five years ago. So it took a long time for the market and COVID had a lot to do with that to shift over to where I was inundated with, hey, Dan, help us look and sound good on camera. Help, help, help. Had I not been there and trusted in what I was doing with One Minute Media, I wouldn't have been ready for that market shift. So. Be flexible, go easy on yourself. Right now we're talking, and 12 months is fast, man. I'm not gonna deny it because I've gotten further ahead in 12 months here than I did in five years the last time. Experience helps you know, with that, focus helps with that. And 12 months is fast, but I like to remind people that like, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. The overnight successes always have years and years of uh, story behind them that you don't always get to see. So go easy on yourself, take your time, even when the bills are due and things are stressful. Try try as hard as you can to uh, have patience and flexibility. And the biggest thing that's helped me, man, it's so simple. I said earlier I don't like to give advice. I'll give advice on uh, video production and storytelling for sure because that's my jam. But outside of that, like I said, I always tried to just encourage people and not give direct advice. But something that's worked so well for me over the last 12 months, I'm ready to give it as advice now, is to tell Everyone. I don't care if it's the clerk at the grocery store or one of my friends in the underdog Slack group. Tell everyone what you're trying to accomplish, where you're heading, and and what's going on. Even if you haven't started the thing that you're talking about, that's okay. Just tell everyone because the doors that open up at a later time, because somewhere along the line, someone said hey how you doing you're like "Oh, I'm doing good got some sunshine today some vitamin d you know and I'm building this community called sandbox.video that helps people get comfortable on camera in a safe environment and I'm excited about that and I'm in this underdog group and people are supporting me and it's so crazy to have people from all over the world supporting me and you know my mom's freeze drying all kinds of fruit now so that's helping me eat healthier yeah like it's going good just those little sentences in that response to hey how you doing Put some of the things I'm trying to accomplish on people's radars, and that has absolutely changed my life. And a lot of the things I just talked about come down to mindset, and not necessarily like the logistics of entrepreneurship. And sometimes it's hard for people to err a little bit more on the mindset and the uh, the mentality of business, as opposed to KPI and ROI and all the things that matter, you know, in uh, tracking a business. So yeah, take it easy go easy on yourself, be patient, tell everyone what you're trying to do. And uh, I'll high five you once you get there. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, you
1: mentioned two really important things that really stick out to me. One is there is no cookie cutter process. Everyone's journey is different. Everyone has a process that is unique to them. And you have to find your process. You can't expect to take a template of what someone else did and expect for that to work for you or to be the right thing for you, right? And that's something that I've learned along my journey of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's huge. And, and then you also mentioned mindset. You know, I think the mindset is probably the most important thing because if you don't have the proper mindset, nothing else will move the needle for you. You're not going to find success without being in the right mindset and being ready mentally to accept those wins
0: in your life. Hey Amen. Being ready. I love that you said that because that's what mindset brings, in my opinion, that uh, put yourself out there more, which turned into take advantage of things you normally wouldn't. That I was speaking to earlier was a mindset. And it did make me ready to grab onto things that were coming by real fast, but I recognized them as opportunities and went, Ooh, okay. And those make the best stories because. If you only hear the story, especially only the good part, I look like a genius. But if you listen to the whole thing and go back in time a little bit, you realize that part of it's luck, part of it's timing, part of it's being ready. Part of it is heartache and things that came before the big win and all those things. And mindset's a huge part of it. And I love that too, because like so many of the clients I work with, I even joke with some of them that I'm close with when we start work. And say, hey, I'll give you all your money back right now if you'll just convince yourself that you're already a great storyteller and you don't need my help. And they laugh, and I laugh, and then I say, I'm not kidding, but we can move forward if you want to. And then I go through a customized system, helping people learn how to tell great stories, how to dig down, how to come up with things they normally wouldn't, how to use tools that are usually used in storytelling as far as fiction goes, but use them in real life so people can relate to you through story and all those things to start to create like that frequency illusion where people start thinking about story, they hear about it, we're working on story together and they start seeing it in places and they start telling better stories themselves. But at the end of the day, all I've actually done is just trick them into giving themselves permission to be great storytellers. Same thing with video. I've just tricked them into you know buying the right gear and getting on camera and getting comfortable so they can tell their story. Um, with some kind of frequency and some kind of professionalism. And all of it's mindset. It's not really the gear, the lights, the story, the script, the bullet points. Those all come in time and they're important, but it really is convincing people that they're pretty good at this stuff already, especially if they're doing something awesome in real life. And I always jokingly call it the medicine and the cheese. The medicine is story and the cheese is often whatever's sexy at the time. A lot of times in my work, it's video production or podcasting. And, you know, the the veterinarian says, you need to get your dog to take this pill. So you might want to put it in some peanut butter or some cheese. I feel like most of my work is uh, selling the cheese to my clients, but hiding the medicine inside.
1: That's so powerful. And yeah, sometimes I think it's a matter of mindset and confidence and realizing that you can do something. And it really does go a long way. As an example, when I first started podcasting, I was so bad. uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And I never thought I can get to a point where I can be as comfortable as I am with speaking and to create something that I can truly be proud of, right? But I kept going and I knew that with practice, you're going to get better. And eventually you develop the mindset that you've been doing this for so long that you are better now and you're ready and you are creating something you're proud of. And it's a matter of not being afraid to put yourself out there and to start creating and to optimizing every day learning every day from the mistakes from the wins from the experiences that you have from not just looking at a process but actually doing
0: and creating yeah that's that's again so powerful sometimes we have to give ourselves permission to believe these things especially if you haven't had like a micro win or something to prove it to you sometimes you just have to believe that it's true because a million other people have been through it already I joke sometimes that like making cliches matter again I feel like is half my career because you think of something and you've said it a million times and it doesn't have much weight but if you sit on it for a minute and you dissect it a little bit something as simple as stop and smell the roses right like I always imagine some poet sitting on a park bench somewhere a long time ago someone walking the trail and stopping and backing up and palming an open rose and smelling it and smiling and then going about their walk and the poet was like oh stop and smell the roses we need to take more time in life to enjoy the things that matter if you just take something like that and dig even just one layer deep deeper into it you realize why the cliche exists it's because it's true and it was super impactful at one point in time and it can be impactful again and i think mindset's that way you know i can't tell you how many executive level people i've worked with in you know those corporate environments who are like oh dan i'm not creative i'm not a storyteller i don't know how this is going to go man and by the end of it i'm like you're one of the most creative people i've ever met you just don't draw or paint you don't sculpt that's okay you're one of the most creative problem solvers i've ever met and that's why you are where you are it's incredible And just giving people permission to realize that they are creative, they are great storytellers, they are good on camera, you know, even if they're not quite there yet, comes down to a lot of those cliches like mindset. Tell yourself you can have a successful podcast and put in the reps. I hate to like deduce it down to something that sounds so simple because the journey is not easy, but it's doable. Just like you said, I actually was on a show the other day and the host said, I mean this in a really respectful way, but you sound really well rehearsed. And I'm like, yeah, I've been telling these stories for 12 months straight, man. I am well rehearsed, but I'm not trying to be a million things to a million people and trying to be a couple things to a million people. And my story is the last 12 months of my life and I'm sticking to it. So like get those reps in. That's why the sandbox.video site I called sandbox because I wanted people to come and play and stretch their wings and you know build their muscles as far as getting on camera and sharing with people because it is you have to you have to get those reps in and sometimes like we were talking about atomic habits and getting to the gym earlier, you know, like sometimes you just gotta put your shoes on. (laughs) And then maybe on the second day, putting your shoes on and grabbing the keys and actually getting in the car. And then the third day maybe actually walking into the gym and We can do a trainer and starting that journey, you know. Yeah, it starts with five minutes and
1: quickly those five minutes turn into 10 and those 10 turn into 20. And before you know it, you're building castles and you're doing amazing things. And that's so powerful and profound.
0: I love it. So Dan, what is your superpower? My superpower? I was told my superpower by a group of other people. So I'm still kind of settling into it. When I came out of the woods, I I segmented off a little segment of my my email list, and it was about 30 people who uh, all knew me well for one reason or another. Old clients I became friends with, colleagues, mentors, mentees, um, not too much friends and family, but a lot of entrepreneurs. And I sent it out and I told them the story I told you, starting over, coming back, getting my bearings. And I said, I'm not looking for anything for free, but please keep me top of mind. If anyone's talking about telling their story better or making video, please tell me or tell them about me. Keep me, keep me top of mind. And I don't expect this for free. And you all know my skill set well. So if you guys need anything, let me know. And within reason, I'll do it for free. I'll help you out. And the response to that email was incredible. So much so that I was like, oh man, these people care and they're listening. It was everything from, I'll coach you for free, this is incredible, to people just writing me and saying I would never have the guts to do what you just did and tell everyone that you lost everything and you're starting over. Like, that's cool, man. And the response was so overwhelming that a few weeks later, I'm like, I'm just gonna keep that segmented list and keep emailing them. They were so engaged and it was so profound to me. So about two, three weeks later, I was like, uh, just saying thank you for the overwhelming response and all these different things. And at the end, I was like, just for a little fun, you all know I'm a storyteller. I'm just curious if a if a journalist came up to you and said, hey, you know, Dan Bennett pretty well. What would you say his superpower is? What would you guys say? I sent it out. And I got even out of those 38 at that time, I got like 20, 18, 19, 20 responses, something like that. Twelve of them were all very similar and they were something I'd never heard in my life. So I expected people to say video, storytelling, maybe if they knew me from the band days, like, you know, musician or something like that. And these 12 people all said some version of, you know what, Dan, when I watch your content, you make me feel calm, relaxed, and like I can do this. Or back when you interviewed me, you made me so comfortable I could open up to you. Or when I watch your YouTube videos, I feel like I can actually accomplish this in your teaching because it's just so chill and calm and it feels good. And i would never been told this in my life. Like, I've never been told the opposite, that I get people all ramped up and riled up either, but I would never heard this. And it was so impactful because I didn't expect it and it's not something I necessarily saw in myself. And that was last September. So I've held onto that so tight, knowing that there's just something and I don't have to understand it or figure it out about the way that I interview, that I am a guest on shows, that I create content, um, that I interact with people that brings some kind of confidence and calm to those that to absorb that content or interact with me, that I now feel like it's a superpower. I don't know how it works. I don't think I can turn it on or off, but it's something that other people saw in me that I've adopted at this point. Yeah, I know. That's, that's so powerful. I can definitely
1: see those traits in you because you're able to approach things from a very calm perspective and you are able to motivate people through the lessons that you share, but you do it in a very real way. And I can definitely see how that would be a superpower that would come through. And it's so interesting that 12 people
0: all said the same thing, which is so, so powerful. It was wild. Like after eight or nine, I'm like, did they all have a meeting or something? You know, and none of these people know each other, uh, which is the best part. But it was powerful. It was so impactful because I'm like, I guess this is a thing. So let's run with it. And uh, then getting in the underdog group. You know, and and I cheat. I have a good camera. I have a good mic because it's what I do for a living. So I got in the group and I look and sound good as far as technology goes. You know, and. Uh, everyone in there is like, you should read the back of cereal boxes as like a YouTube channel. We just want to hear you talk or whatever, you know. And it was um, apparent once I got in that group, too, that there is something about, I don't know, the the cadence, the vibe, the whatever it gets chalked up to. And uh, as long as it helps people win, like, I don't care what <laughs> I don't care what the superpower is. My favorite thing in the world, I, I think of myself as a crowbar, you know, and I just get behind people and help them get traction you know I, I always picture like four or five like really incredible vehicles all lined up in a parking lot and the the cars are incredible the drivers are professional everything is tuned and perfect none of these people need anything from me but that driving wheel sound like a patch of ice and I feel like I just kind of go down the line and use my big crowbar and get them moving a little bit till they get traction and go it's awesome because i didn't create the car i didn't create the driver i didn't invent story i didn't make people love video but i'm able to bring all these things together and help someone who's already doing something awesome uh get traction doing it and that's my favorite part even though as the quote-unquote you know like anti i make my content and i'm the face of my own work my favorite stuff is just being that guy behind the car with a crowbar <laughs> helping people get traction and dan what does your business look like today and what do you do now? So a big part of, uh, again, coming out of the, the forest was I, I had this understanding that I wanted to do less, oh, you know, like services for clients. I wanted to, to do less of that and more products for customers. But I also knew I had to do freelance work to pay the bills. Like I couldn't just take all the time off in the world and be okay. So in October, I went back to after a couple really hard no's in September from old clients I knew I couldn't go back to. Great people just want to slip into my old ways of doing things just for revenue. Had a couple of hard no's in September and then October, like I said, I was thrown in the group. I started talking more about what I was trying to accomplish and I was very open about like wanting to do less services for clients and more products for customers so that scalability would be there and I could help even more people, which is really my main driving factor. And a couple of people who saw my roast on Noah's office hours hired me, and they're not underdogs. They're just they're CEOs and stuff that Noah knows who happen to be watching that show. And those first couple of uh, companies, one is Search Actions, and the other is Deep Sentinel, are incredible clients, and it's the exact kind of client I wanted. It's what I had pictured. So my first two uh, official kind of freelance clients, as I came out the other end were me being picky about who I wanted to work with and being excited by the work because it's fulfilling. And so I started accidentally, I kind of started selling these 10 hour time blocks and I knew 10 hours was enough time to launch something, to shift something or to polish something up and get distribution in place or something for companies. Uh, So I just started selling these 10 hour time blocks on an ongoing basis and helping a lot of people move really, really quickly. Um, whether that was training up you know their internal team to create their own videos in just a couple of weeks or taking what they're already filming and polishing and adding all my magic and special sauce to it and then putting it out for distribution for them, whatever the case may be. And so the freelance work I have taken on has definitely been in the vein of what I want long term. And then I've been building one minute media on the digital side. So, of course, work private membership for business owners and startups to learn how to shoot their own video with our help along the way. And I've been making that transition. You know, standard things like affiliate marketing, since so many people buy gear because of the work that I do with them. Um, affiliate marketing with AppSumo, because so many people see my videos and they really like the uh you know, software I might be talking about or something of that nature and pushing a little bit more towards that products for customers and growing community. Um, So I'm still in the middle of that. And you mentioned earlier at the start of the show, landing the biggest contract I've ever landed, which I'm in the beginning of right now is a dream come true. I wish I could actually talk about more right now. I'll be able to at the beginning of next year, but it it so aligns with essentially the biggest crowbar I've ever been able to use. You know, I'm I'm helping an organization that's already doing incredible things get traction through storytelling and video. And I couldn't imagine doing any more fulfilling work right now. So that transition of when I do do get Dan, when I'm doing direct consultation, I'm doing the work directly with you, I'm helping develop story. I'm super picky. I'm at a certain level That puts me where I want to be financially and professionally. And then I'm also growing community and those digital products to be able to sell to more and more people to help them get from zero to on camera as well. So I'm I'm in that transition as we speak. And yeah, I couldn't be more excited, especially like the show has helped me do today. Looking back at the last 12 months in retrospect, it's it's pretty incredible. That's that's so awesome. And you mentioned, you know, picking
1: that right fit client, thinking about what kind of people and businesses you want to work with. And I think that's so powerful and so important. And I've recently started to adapt those principles and mindsets into my life where now I I'm very deliberate with who I choose to work with. And it's not a matter of who wants to work with me, but a matter of one, can we move the needle and will my life be a place where I'm happy working with these clients and ultimately in five years, will I be happy continuing to work with these people and these clients and these type of businesses? Because at the end of the day, you can't serve everybody. You have to pick what you're special at and how you want to design your life. And that's so, so important from how much you want to earn to how you want your day-to-day to look like. And I think these are all really, really important and profound lessons that certainly helping me greatly. And I'm so happy that I'm learning these things early on because it would suck to be in a spot five years later realizing, man, I'm not happy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Word. (laughs) Uh, it's funny. We both know phenomenal author and sales coach, John Hill, and he's one of the people that I met very early on and getting thrown in the underdog group. And we started working together and, uh, Two days after beginning work with him, I had a like $1,200 upsell. He hates that I use that term, but it was an upsell, but it was one that the client was essentially begging for. And had I not worked with him, I wouldn't have been able to identify it. And a lot of that came through the exact things we're talking about, the mindset, where do you want to be? Who do you want to work with? What kind of work do you want to do? And it's led me to a point, and I want to encourage, you know, anyone listening, like, these things are true, they work. Please trust in them. Be picky about what you're doing, even if you have to turn down money, because you don't want to get to that spot where it's not fun and you're reliant on that income. But now I go into sales calls, and, you know, one of the first things I say is, hey, appreciate your time, your referral, you know, the kind of work I do. We're talking about your particular work now. I just want to start this off by saying that, story drives everything I do stories at the heart of it. And I just want to make sure that you're okay with the fact that if I feel like this might not be a good fit or you feel like it might not be a good fit, we can shut this call down, go our separate ways, root each other on, and, um, you know, not waste either of our time. And, generally people are pleasantly surprised by that they're like oh wow yeah 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 no I'm here because I want to be but that's cool you know and then that gives us both permission to be like "Mm, I don't think I can help you but maybe I know someone who can or I can give you a referral or suggestion on what you can maybe do next and that comes from being picky it comes from knowing what I want who I want to work with and if I say that and you're like Uh, yeah story's cool but we really just need like a two minute about us video and that's all we really want i can say cool i don't want to do that work because i'm not a video production company but i know someone great i'll introduce you to and i hope that you you know find someone who can knock that out of the park for you and that is an incredible feeling walking away from money actually gets fun (laughs) which sounds counterintuitive but when you walk away from bad money oh my god you feel like the smartest person in the world so definitely important to uh have at least a decent idea of where you're trying to go and who you want to work with so so true
1: and dan how do you stay organized what does it mean to
0: be an organized creative for you i tell you what shout out to anna fitzgerald hall oh, heartbeat hive if anyone's interested look her up she specializes in flow and organization for creatives and she's literally the first person I met in the underdog group. And she had just put out a little call. Like I said, there's only like 20 of us at the time and no one was really too active. And she was like, hey, I'm looking for an accountability partner. And I put my hand up. I'm like, hey, I'm brand new here. Uh, let's jam. And we've been meeting weekly for, you know, ever since, ever since last October. And uh, her professional work started aligning with the struggles I was having in starting over and, and doing my own business, but doing it my way. And I was always super organized, especially because so much of what we did was production based for my clients, but my own stuff was never that way. (laughs) So we really started working on, you know, learning about flow, how to catch flow, how to become organized, how to use certain tools and not just adopt every single software that comes out, but use the ones that work really well for you. She turned me on to WorkFlowy, which is an incredible just like toggle and bullet point software nothing too crazy and it was so simplistic and kept you in the realm you needed to be in so much that it worked really well for me and that was the beginning of me getting organized there's this thing that i call the mechanic effect Uh, my mechanic joe who's a real person i've been taking my cars to him for like 15 years he uh he's like a 35 year asc certified master mechanic dude could fix anything in the world probably with a blindfold on and i was meeting him one day to drop off a vehicle and he was very aware of the work i did he would always ask me about, you know, my clients and stuff like that. And so I get to the shop at the same time as him in the morning. He's opening up and he's just driving this shitty truck, you know, and I'm like, Joe, I got to ask you, I always see that truck. Like, why do you drive? <laughs> why do you drive this crappy truck, man? And he looks at it and he looks at me and he looks at the truck again. He was like, I don't know, man, it's easy to work on. And we go inside and dude, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, my God, this guy could drive any car in the world because he could go find one that just blew an engine and repair it and have whatever he wanted for probably a quarter of the cost if not less and he drives this truck but he does all this incredible work for everyone else and man i saw myself in that and i was like it's time this time coming out of the woods starting over it's time for me to do that good work for my own business that i do for everyone else so at this current stage i'm a notion guy i use workflow too quite a bit but i'm a notion guy and it helps me keep everything in one spot. I'm not like brand loyal or anything, it's just a software that works really, really well for me. And so many of the things I do are production-based where you're going from an idea all the way through to distribution, and it's got so much flexibility and. The different ways you can view data and stuff that it works really good for me I can fire it up I can do my morning journaling I can do my morning routine I can send out an invoice to a client I can do a task list to-do list whatever and all all in one spot so it makes it really nice and then just sticking to my own principles right my folder structures and all the boring things the systems and processes and all my SOPs I have in place it's been a lot of discipline working with Anna and making a point just like we were talking about the gym earlier making a point to put my shoes on in this case that's starting notion daily routine first half hour of my day I don't skip it I get through it it involves you know like short meditation and getting some water inside me and all those things entrepreneurs talk about all the time in their mornings but um, it sets up the day nicely and then because I've gone through that habit can't deviate from being organized the rest of the day because then I'd feel like crap you know so like I set myself up to stay in that kind of organized mindset and you know things happen I film out of town sometimes and I can't do the things I want to do that day because I'm in a hotel or something but like for the most part it's really just been about being disciplined and carrying that atomic habits book with me ever since I left the the forest and I all I can do is use my words to try and convince someone who might be listening but I was the furthest thing from organized as far away as you can get. And now I'm in a place where I'm really, really proud of my own organization, which is fun. So you can get there if you're not there, even if you're really put off by things like spreadsheets and, you know, policies and systems and stuff, you can get there, especially if you uh, look for a little help along the way.
1: You mentioned something important and that's to stay organized and to do the things that may not be sexy in your business to, learn the process of getting very organized and it's so so important. I actually started using Notion. I used to be a huge fan of Trello and I discovered Notion and it completely changed the game for me and I have been using it every single day to keep track of what I'm working on to keep track of my clients, my goals, even like the books that I want to read, the movies that I want to watch. Like pretty much I'm designing my life to be organized overall based on what my goals are professionally, personally, and it keeps me on track every single morning. And the other thing you mentioned is drinking water, journaling, and I'm curious. Have you read a book called *The Miracle Morning* by Hal Elrod? I have not,
0: but I'm always after a good
1: recommendation. Oh man, I'm going to share that book with you, and it's gonna it's gonna resonate very, very close to home with what you're doing. And I think that the lessons that you mentioned were exactly what Hal teaches in his book. Make sure to share that with you with exactly what you're doing, and it's such a powerful
0: set of lessons. There is no blueprint. There's not one for this either. And again, I'm not a fanboy, but like notion is so flexible that you can kind of make it do whatever you want it to do for you. So you can start with, say, a book or some of the suggestions we've made or whatever, and then adapt it to you. And I think that's a big part of it is like just getting the data. You know, just seeing what it feels like to journal for 10 days or to meditate or anything that you're looking at doing, you don't have to do it exactly like someone else and you don't have to be perfect. But if you can start to get a feel for it, you can adapt it to yourself. One of the things I work on with Anna is just paying attention to heart rate variability. And I wear an aura ring and track that stuff. And that's not for everyone. And it might seem kind of woo to some people. I don't know. But it has changed my life, you know, like my ring syncs up with my phone in the morning while I'm doing my thing and it tells me, hey, you didn't sleep that good last night. You might want to take it easy till you get rolling. And I don't know how, but the thing is always accurate. And it's one of those things where you might have been asleep all night, but you weren't in deep sleep very often. And you wouldn't know that. You just wake up and feel groggy and go, what the heck? But just having some of that information, I can start to adjust how I behave and it's the same thing, starting anything new. Just do it long enough to get a vibe. And one of those vibes might be, I hate this. And you can just put it down. And uh, I think that's one of the best parts of kind of starting new habits is uh, just learning more about yourself, you know, getting more in tune with with yourself. And where do you see yourself in your life 20 years from now? What do you hope to achieve? You know, someone with this, this latest contract, the, the people at the head of this organization are world known and doing incredible work in the world. And I'm so proud to be a part of something that's just making that much of a difference in the world. And someone was asking me, like, how do you feel? You know, and it's someone who knows me well enough. It's not the money. It's not the accomplishment. It's not, you know, something that'll go in my portfolio later. And I can point out and say, look at that. It's wow. This is really important and deep work I'm doing. And and it's really fulfilling. And when they said, how do you feel? I said, you know what, man, I feel like It's time, like it's time. It's time for me to do the things I've talked about. It's time for me to make a difference. It's time for me to settle into if it's gotta be my face on the screen, I'm okay with that. I've never been adverse to being on video. I've just never felt like I'm the business. It was always something else I had to build and point at. And maybe it is me, maybe it's time. Um, So when I look that far into the future, if I'm 60 years old, I wanna be in a position where I just helped hopefully hundreds of thousands of people who are already incredible, um, tell their story better, get in front of more people, make incredible videos, maybe even make films and documentaries that impact another 100,000 people. I wanna be sitting somewhere where I'm so glad that I sat out in those woods and cried and laughed and was frustrated and punched things and (laughs) walked through the forest and just felt sorry for myself and then walked through it the next day and felt incredibly grateful. Look back on all that stuff and know that it was totally worth it because someone somewhere, even on this show, heard me talk and was like, "All right, it's time for me to. And that's what I
1: hope for, man. That's really awesome. And Dan, thank you so so much for spending some time with me today to share your story with our audience. And you are truly an inspiration, and you are the ultimate underdog. And uh, I'm proud of you. I'm blessed to have met you and I'm grateful for knowing you and for being inspired by you and everything that you're doing in your life and your career. I know you're going to crush it. I know you're going to do some really amazing things and I'm excited for the future together. And before we let you go, where can our listeners learn more about you and your work? And where can we find your podcast?
0: Yeah, so I try to make everything easy. I think the hardest part is spelling antipreneur. And it's just like entrepreneur only. It starts with anti. So nice and straightforward. Um, I'm the antipreneur.com forward slash link stack. And that's like a stack of links. It's very literal. And right on that page is a literal stack of links. And you can find me anywhere on any platform, across this great world. It's not hard to find me if you type The Antipreneur into any social media platform. I'm sure you'll run across me, but that link stack on the slash link stack is a great place to start because it just connects to everything I'm up to. Um, So yeah, I am an open book. I have an open email inbox. I love helping people. I have to limit how much I can help for free, of course, but like um, if I can solve a problem real quick for people, I will. And uh, yeah, say hi. I don't care what platform it's on. And uh, I, I appreciate you giving me, speaking of platforms, giving me a platform to speak from. And it's, it's humbling. It's fun. Um, I appreciate you trusting me enough to share my story with your listeners because I know that's a very intimate thing to do. So thanks. It's
1: been, it's been a blast. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing and opening up so, so greatly. And it's been an amazing hour with you and and thank you for all that you do and for the inspiration and congratulations on all of the success. And I know that this is just the beginning and uh, I'm excited for the future. Thank you so, so much for joining us for another episode of creator's edge, the podcast for creators, helping you create better in your space. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on Apple. It only takes a minute of your time and it helps others find this podcast and helps us to create content just like this. You can find Dan Bennett at The Antipreneur on YouTube. You can learn more about One Minute Media at number1minmedia.com. You can find Dan Bennett on Twitter at realantipreneur and you can also find the antipreneur on the web at imtheantipreneur.com